Hello and welcome to the 50th episode of the Cake Watch podcast, the podcast that likes to say, look, honestly, just to hunt. My name's Steve Bullock. I'm an ex-negotiator for the UK and the EU, and I'm here with my colleague, Chris Kendall, EU official extraordinaire, well, uh, ordinaire. <laughs> ordinaire uh, functionaire. <laughs> and, uh, but here in a strictly personal capacity. Strictly personal capacity. So, Chris, this is our 50th episode. 50th. Little did we think, um, a year and a bit ago, when we went to the pub, that we were going to do 50 episodes of this godforsaken shite. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. 50, 50th episode. <sighs> like, 50 is a number that's looming all too large in my world at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> it will for me in, you know... Well, quite a satisfyingly long <laughs> amount of time. <laughs> a, a, a considerable number of years in the, in the future. Yeah. Yes, no, I, I sit here and I'm, you said 50 and I looked across at my mantelpiece, which is still kind of covered in cards that will have a <laughs> number 50 on it. And it's like, oh. <laughs> anyway. Uh, but we also, I, I'm uh, led to believe, well, because you told me, just before that uh, we also have nearly we're very close to half a million players since we started yeah i saw um romaniacs we always talk about romaniacs because we're slightly yeah no i saw them um today or was it yesterday uh bagged their five millionth fucking hell i was like oh. <laughs> but then, so you checked. So you checked out. So I checked out. Like, like, yeah. yeah, order of magnitude off. Yeah, that's okay. Well, well, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. I mean, thank you to everybody who listens to us prattle on uh, week after week, or, or, or even, or even just occasionally. Um, yeah, I find it and remarkable that anybody listens to it. And um, so, thank you very, very much. For that. Yeah, yeah, and you know, well done on, on the you find tastes. Of course, size doesn't matter. So speaking of podcasts more generally, the other week I put a, uh, a tweet, tweet out saying, um, pointing out that the British, uh, British Podcast Awards has a people's choice section and saying, oh, you know, it would be lovely if people voted for us in that. Um, oh, and obviously we would still come 467th uh, <laughs> in that category anyway. Um, but when we put it out... Uh, when, when, I, when I wrote that tweet, uh, we, thought, we assumed that uh, Romaniacs would have been one of, the, one of the nominated podcasts in the main categories, like News and, news and Current Affairs or whatever the main, that, that, main, that main category is. Um, and it turns out that as an absolute fucking travesty, uh, they haven't been nominated for that, uh, which I find absolutely bizarre, I have to say. Yeah. So, um, so what you're saying, Steve, is that... Um, we as the new as the new force on the block, so to speak, we oh, are I see where this is going. we are proposing that voters should vote tactically uh, for Romaniacs uh, <laughs> as the, as the candidate most likely to win a people's choice, <laughs> and we will we will campaign for them. 
<laughs> well, yeah, because yeah, we need a remain elect- winner. Yeah, we want we need a remain winner. <laughs> so we want an electoral pact. The difference is, of course, um, in the, is that it's. Um, I was going to say single transferable vote, but it's not. It's multiple transferable vote because you can only vote for each podcast once, but you can vote for as many podcasts as you want. So you can go off and vote for us and Romaniacs as well if you want to. Um, but uh, but the big thing is, I think we need. I think we need a huge drive to get a Remain podcast over over the line here. I mean, I can't believe that a podcast that successful and influential um, isn't in that section. I noticed as well that the, uh, I heard. Well, I heard that there are two BBC, two BBC podcasts. Yeah, it, it's idiotic. Well, they've got their own goddamn. A... Yeah, they've got their own goddamn Brexit cast on there, but they haven't got Romaniacs on, which is ridiculous. Yeah, and also, well, it's not the podcast awards aren't a BBC thing. Um, well, aren't they? But it's a bit. Uh, it's a bit different when. But it's a bit different when BBC, the BBC has its own platform to promote it on as well. Well, also, I think is the, is the world um, famous platform so... I thought it was. I thought it had some connection to the BBC. BBC. I don't. I don't think it is. I'm not sure. We have to check. Yeah. Um, well, no, we won't actually, because <laughs> I really can't be asked. But. No, but no, but somebody will tell us. I think, <laughs> which would be lovely. What you mean? You think you think somebody's going to tell us if we get something wrong on the podcast, Steve? Oh, I don't know. I, I, I think maybe. I think maybe they would. Should we do some follow I think, up? I think we. I think we have a very well informed listenership. <laughs> It's one of the key difficulties of running this podcast, frankly. <laughs> yeah, have we got some follow-up? Segwaying. <laughs> Segwaying neatly into yeah. follow-up. Um, we have some follow-up, and the follow-up is that you... Uh, what was comically... Uncorrected un- un- inc- by, un- un- by you, might I fucking add. I was sitting back in awe of your... I couldn't quite believe how badly wrong you'd got the dance system. I was... <laughs> what were we called? Comically, comically inept. I think was it something like that. Yeah, it was. It was. It was great. So, in short, you got the we dark got wrong process. Yeah. Hopes, hope, hopelessly wrong. Um, yeah. So your role as chief expert on this podcast is seriously called into question. Yeah. Uh, you also got the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy quote wrong. I did. And you also yes, got something else wrong, but um, we can't remember what the other one was. <laughs> pick, pick one, and it possibly <laughs> was. Pick, pick one thing I said, and, and, it, and it possibly was. Uh, but thank you to everyone who pointed out, actually, we take the piss, but um, we're very happy that it's pointed out, and we're very happy to correct it. And we did issue oh, yeah. an um, edit with a, with a correction Damn. in it. So if you, mm. if you downloaded it after... When would it have been Thursday last week? Then you should have got you should have got the version yeah. with the uh, with the correction in it. I think it was um, Thursday, wasn't it? Yeah, the one that's on the servers now, anyway, is corrected. And you um, you ate all sorts of humble pie. And um, I just got the wrong end of the stick, but people do. Um, and I've heard other people on other podcasts get it wrong as well. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. It's not halving. It's divided by the number one plus the number of seats that you've already got in the process. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what? So it's weird in that so little's happened. I know. It, it, I um, I almost feel guilty doing a podcast really because I um, took Easter off. I was mostly off Twitter, and when I went on Twitter, it was just to post stupid stuff about Game of Thrones or or, or you know things like that. And um, 
yeah, I'm finding it um, hard to muster the energy to give a shit about Brexit right now. <laughs> yeah, but this is the this is a trap that it's easy to. I understand that absolutely, and I think there's a bit of ennui going around generally. But yeah. this is the uh, this is the kind of trick is yeah. is to not is to not be lulled into this. But it's really difficult at the moment. It, it is. Very, it very is. Difficult. It is very difficult, and also you have the sense. Of it just being Groundhog Day, yeah. You know that all we, you know, sort of all it feels like now is that we're back to like November, yeah, it's just November again, and the same things are happening. I mean, <laughs> for now, May's instructed officials to look again at alternative arrangements, to look again at Malthouse. Yeah, it's um, incredible. It's 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 eternal cakeism. Yeah, you know, Tusk says make good use of this extra time that you've been given. And what do we do? Take another look at Malta's Compromise 3.0. Punt that. You'd Give that another punt. You'd think by now the message would have got through that the EU aren't joking about stuff. They're not posturing and just taking positions when they say something's absolutely out of the question repeatedly. It's because it's absolutely out of the question repeatedly. You know, the EU isn't trying to not find solutions. The EU is trying to, and has been all along, trying to get Brexit to happen in an orderly fashion with a withdrawal agreement. Mm. Um, it's, not in, it's not trying to put up barriers for that. Um, but stuff that's fantasy, like alternative arrangements, or utterly unacceptable, like uh, bonkers double collection systems and customs... <laughs> systems and the EU administrating uh, the UK administrating EU external borders as a non-member and, and so on and so forth is just absolutely bonkers. So, but you this, know, none of this is going to be none of this is going to be accepted. It's 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 more it's more obfuscation. It's more running down the clock with with no fucking plan. Eh? But this is where this is where the um, levers, uh, especially the more radical ones, get taken in by their own propaganda. Because what happens is you get People like IDS. So there was, um, so there was a, a story in The Sun today, um, of, of all things, where um, it was bigging up this notion that the Malthouse, the Malthouse Compromise 3 might have legs. Um, Racket's not a compromise. I quote, Signs are emerging that key EU players, France and Germany, would now back the alternative arrangements plan to replace the backstop, unquote. Um, IDS held talks with Barnier on a new on a new Irish border plan. You know, like fuck. did he fuck? So like what happened here? He what happened here? I can tell you exactly what happened. So Ian Duncan Smith and Arlene Foster went to Brussels and had a meeting with 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 Michel Barnier. And Michel Barnier was diplomatic and charming and <laughs> yes. polite. And said he was said, willing to look at any proposal. And said he was quite happy to look at any practical proposal as long as it didn't cross uh, EU red lines. Um, and was and, and basically was not the monster that IDS and Arlene Foster and their supporting newspapers and so on have all been trying to paint him out to be. So the fact that he yeah. didn't live up to what they have made him out to be in oh. their own minds means that they think, oh, well, he's giving way. He's, he's, he's flexible. Oh, well, we can have what we want after all. I mean, exactly. it, it's it, it's a, it's they're feeding their own fantasies. But everybody everybody does it. It's this confirmation bias. It's yes. exactly the same. Exactly the same with Corbyn and Starmer 
going going to meet Barnier. Yeah. Afterwards, everybody they said it was a positive it was a positive meeting, and that he'd been positive about it. And um, the Hofstadt had said, you know, it was a positive basis on which to go yeah. forward, or something like that. And everybody <laughs> took this to mean, you see. You can have all the benefits yeah. of the single market and, without free, without all full freedoms and without being a member of the single market. Yeah. You go, hang on. Yeah, and then these stories come out, and then five seconds they later, they said it was a it was a potential basis for for for, for moving forward. Once negotiation, yeah. once it had been explained that there was no fucking chance of that happening. So so people visit Barnier, come out, give it give it their spin. <laughs> Because of their confirmation bias and because of their, their their desire to hear what they want to hear, and what happens is ten minutes later, Barnier tweets or Sabina tweets or Stefan Derink tweets. No, actually, that's not at all what we that's said, not, and this is not what, we haven't what we changed said. one bit in everything that we've been saying all along since day one. But this is this is I think this is partly <coughs> a diplomat politician crossover thing here as well. because yeah. Barnier is uh, Barnier is essentially both, and he's supported by a team of diplomats. And, and the people who are going to visit him are not diplomats. So when he says, "This is a really interesting idea, and we'd be willing we'd be willing to talk about it and look at it as a way to move forward," people take it as you say. People take it as um, great. He agrees with me. Yeah. Which, if you have even ten minutes' experience in a working group or in any form of diplomacy or <laughs> any negotiations whatsoever, you'd know that what this is is somebody trying to trying to be positive and move things along. Mm. Um, and it's not anybody agreeing to or endorsing anything. Mm. Yeah, so it, it's a de- it's desperate. It, it's it's pretty poor stuff. It's it, it just shows how desperate and needy uh, the UK side is, and it's 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 a pretty embarrassing spectacle oh, to yeah, see these people really who, on the one hand, want to go on about how incredibly important the UK is and how the Europeans need the UK more than the UK needs Europe, and at the same time. I mean, you know what? I'm getting bored of listening to myself saying this. I mean, there's 50 episodes, and when and you show me an episode where we haven't had this exact exchange, I, I mean, I really. Know. And yet here we are. And, and <laughs> the ground do, they ignore again. it every time it happens, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So you yeah. just get the feeling, you know, that that's happening, and um, other stuff that we'll come to, uh, it just feels like. I know we're only in the very early days um, of what is actually not a very long period. No, it's really um, not very but long. But really, you really get the feeling that we're just pissing it away, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Very much so. Yeah, absolutely. We really are. So, um, what else happened this week? Um, Blair's made one of his blindingly unhelpful. Yeah, no, the Labour Party, the 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 the. the a new Labour bit of the Labour Party has um, joined uh, the far left bit of the Labour Party in being all out ha- you know, hating on freedom of movement and foreigners and xenophobic. So that's great. Excellent. And blaming, so now it's now it's uh, now it's blaming people for not integrating properly. Yeah, they don't even speak the language properly. Which yeah. cricket team do they support? Yeah, it's Christ, proper Norman Te- yeah, Norman Tebbit or Tony Blair. We're back who, here who, again. You know, I mean, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're back here again. Um, and it's just, it's just and, and people spare, still talk about reforming the EU as well. Endless yeah. talk about yeah. reforming the EU. Yeah. yeah. In in what way do you want to reform the EU? Yeah. <laughs> somebody asked on Twitter. Can somebody explain in what way we want to reform the yeah. EU? Because that's quite important. There's yeah. lots of different ways in which this can happen, and yeah. that's quite important. Yeah. Well, again, as we want... have discussed ad nauseam. Yeah. You know, reform. Great. Great. What you know? Do you mean the? Do you mean reform, or do you actually mean? You, 
repatriation. Any freedom of movement. And, and, yeah. Just, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's really depressing. Um, honestly. Who else did we have? We had, well, we have uh, Stephen Kinnick and... Uh, Gloria to Piero. Yeah. Who, who yeah. you know, who... <laughs> On paper, who, ma- who, who made well Gloria Di Piero, who made her parents a political football, and then uh, complained that yes. her parents had been made a political astonishing. Football. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, incredible lack of yeah. self awareness. Yeah, I mean, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. She did the, the classic sort of Farageist trope of, um, well, they they arrived before um, we were in the EU, oh, and they arrived before yeah. there was any such thing as freedom of movement. So why is this a freedom of movement issue? As if. The fact that they have to apply for settled status with the implicit possibility that they could be rejected for settled status, exactly. that they can't keep the rights that they've acquired under treaties, is is not something to do with the Brexit that she's so busy advocating and the end of free movement that she's so busy advocating. I mean, But this is part of the wider... Uh, we talked about symbolism, didn't we, yes. the other week? This is part of the wider symbolism simple, argument, simplest mm. argument, that we did it before the EU, so we can do it now. Mm. Well, the world has massively changed since we jo- since we joined the EU. And apart from anything, we had lots and lots and lots of different treaties and agreements in place with with, with countries before we joined the EU, which we don't have now as well. Mm. So this this it, it's such an attra- I understand it's such an attractive argument to say, well, we managed it before the EU, um, and it's. But it's such an incredibly it's such an incredibly spurious mm. argument to do, and it's deployed by all you know by by the left and the right mm. willy nilly, you know. Mm. And then, well, then we have Stephen Kinnock, who basically considers <laughs> who who appears to consider that the objective of an opposition party is to come to some compromise with the government, whether whether or not whatever whatever that is, as long as it's what Stephen Kinnock wanted. I don't um, see if I could, if I could understand what goes on in the brain of Stephen Kinnock. I mean, I could at least accept it, maybe. But I, I don't get it. I mean, because I know Stephen Kinnock not very well, but I knew him when he was in Brussels when we were both young. Uh, well, I wasn't. I wouldn't call myself an activist, but I was. I was involved in Labour circles in 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 my youth in in Brussels and and knew him at the time and we would be engaged in all sorts of interesting and exciting discussions about the future of Europe. Um, and, and what the hell happened to him? Yeah. So he tweeted, he tweeted that, well, I mean, he, he tweeted about the letter that, uh, that he and others have signed to the uh, Labour leadership, to the NEC, actually, I think, uh, saying that they mustn't agree to a second referendum because, uh, because that would put a spanner in the works of coming to an agreement with the, with the government that's not what opposition's for the objective of opposition is not to uh decide what the government will accept and then adopt that as your policy the point of an opposition is to decide what you think the best policy is and then and the policy that fits with your principles and then try try and negotiate that you know Mm. it's completely completely the wrong way around a total yeah misunderstanding of what Opposition parties are for. Um, what else have we had? Uh, oh, we've had... Um, Buckethead. We, yeah, well, should we move on to elections? I suppose we should. Segue into we're elections, kind of, we're kind of there, aren't we? Yeah, we, um, well, we've had we've had the Cucks and, and we've had the uh, Buckethead. And, yeah. So, yeah. Well, no, well, let's, do, let's do Buckethead first. Let's because, do Buckethead first. Because uh, that's a, a relatively simple point here. 
Are you so standing you, again? Standing. I'm doing inver- air inverted commas here. Air quotes. Uh, against Farage. Um, as a one-person independent independent list. Yeah, and um, well, Steve Bray is too. Did you see that? Ah, Steve Bray has announced today that he's not going to, he's not he's going to return, to. and he's going to arrange for the return of the crowdfunding money. Okay, because he's because he's convinced that um, a uh, it would indeed probably only draw votes from other Remain parties, and therefore wouldn't be any help. And b he can do more to campaign, not campaigning to be an M- against Brexit, not campaigning to be an MEP. Yeah, well, good for which him. Is all which is all for what Julie Girling said. Julie Girling. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who is? Uh, for those who don't know, Julie Girling is a, a superb MEP, actually, and someone who's been a huge advocate of rights for of the rights for the three million and the British in Europe. She's been on the podcast, Steve. Don't forget. Ah, uh, yes, and was yes, indeed, was on our uh, was on our four way four way guest four guest podcast, mm-hmm. um, and is really really superb, and is also extremely brave in because she was treated really appallingly by her. Her party mm. in that she had the whip, whip withdrawn, uh, and the first she knew about it was the press was mm. seeing it seeing it in the press, which is a terrible way to treat anybody. But somebody who's stood for you for te- who's represented your party for ten years, mm. particularly particularly atrocious. Um, and she was going to run as a, a, what we call in cook tigs, tigs, the cook tigs, yeah, cook tigs, um, the ones the ones with the the ones with the redacted logo. <laughs> The no, Newcastle United like Strip. Yeah. Well, it, no, but it looks like it looks like redacted text next to it. I suppose it does. Yeah, um, uh, it looks like the Mueller report. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's not my gag, by the way. That was someone else. Sorry, but I can't remember who. Um, but I should say it's not my gag. Um, yeah. So she and she, she said that um, she'd had lots of uh, people in touch with her, saying that they wanted to give her personal support and would vote for her if she stood for. If she stood as an as an independent, or if she stood for Cooktig, um, and she decided that she thought that that personal support would draw uh, votes away from from other Remain parties, mm. and decided not to not to run. <clears throat> Which again, I think was a uh, well, good for her. I mean, I think yeah. that was a really really fantastic thing to do because there's quite a good chance she might have got in as well. Yeah. Um, at least some chance that she would have, because she had such yeah. such personal support. So and let, she said that, and she and she she said in a statement that people should uh, that people who would have voted for her should vote for uh, uh, categorically remain parties uh, with experienced uh, incumbents. Mm. So she was actually, I think she was actually saying, "Don't vote for Change UK." Was uh, seemed to be the message there. Yeah, I mean, well, that was certainly one interpretation to put on put on what she was saying there. But um, well, the buckethead thing. Can you explain why this why this is pointless and counterproductive? Yeah, because it is. Yeah, yeah. So the point here is that um, this is not like a Westminster by election or, or or a constituency election for the Westminster Parliament. It's just it's not the same. You know, um, it is it is wrong. I think, and unhelpful to think of the regions, the, the various regions of the UK in which you have MEPs and a, a list from which MEPs are drawn, it's wrong to think of them as just big constituencies because we don't have first-past-the-post in each region. You have an election where for a set number of MEPs for each region and those MEPs will be allocated 
proportionally, more or less, according to this famous de Hont system, which we're not going to explain again because we did such a great job of it last time. We're not very good at explaining yeah. it. But in other words, um, you know, you're not going to get a count, a televised count, where you see the big cheese being taken down a peg or two by having to stand next to a man dressed as a dolphin or, or a guy with a huge bucket on his head. And this whole sort of like, well, this is the glorious hilarity and insanity of British democracy and so on. I mean, that, that's all well and good for a Westminster election, but it just doesn't, for me, it just doesn't translate into, into an, a, a, a European election. And no, just, it doesn't. Be, it doesn't because it's a European election and because of the, and because of the system. It's the two. It's yeah. the two things. I'm I'm absolutely all for um, protest or single issue candidates running in an independent running in running in general elections. I'm all for it. I think it draws attention. To, I think I think it draws attention to the cause. I mean, I've got a very good friend in Scotland who worked on save 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 a save a local hospital mm. candidates running in running in. Um, uh, running in running in elections, and this did huge amounts to raise the profile of the. It did huge amounts to raise the profile of the uh, <coughs> of the the cause, and got lots and got lots of support and got lots of exposure for it. And um, it also put pressure on. It also put pressure on the candidates to address that, which was which was probably the big the, the main outcome of it, in the. Other candidates had their feet held to the fire about why these, you know, what they would do about these hospitals closing. So, you know, this is really good. I mean, when I, when I was a student, um, <clears throat> I happened to interview uh, Martin Bell when he was standing against Neil Hamilton as a uh, as a as an independent, yeah. um, and he 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 got, beat him, he yeah. got in. Mm. He got it. He, yeah, he beat him. He got in, and it was a fantastic thing. Um, and it and it works in first past the post because. Getting ten thousand votes, you know, even if you lose, getting five or ten thousand votes makes everybody sit up and listen. And well, of course, it can change the entire configuration of, of, of the election, but it's just yeah, it's exactly. not going to in a European election Precisely. because the regions are so large and the electorate is so large. So all the all the Buckethead is doing by running, I mean, it, it, he's probably not going to attract quite enough votes to change the outcome significantly. But what he is going to do is he's going to, it, as, as he's specifically running a, deca- uh, a decapitation campaign to get rid of Farage or to beat Farage, all that does is bring attention to Farage. It just gives and Farage it, free publicity. And also, in that, he's going to lose. Yeah. I mean, because of the way the lift system, the, because of the way the lift system works... Um, particularly, at, particularly with the polling in 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 that region, um, it's very likely that the top of the the first person on the Brexit Party list will will get in, and and a few thousand votes taken off them isn't gonna isn't probably isn't gonna stop that. What it might do, but a few thousand votes taken off uh, the we should we need terminology for that. I don't know what the actual terminology is. So if you have a if you have a uh, if you have a, a region under the under the Hunt system, the chances are that uh, one of the main parties is not going to get. Say you've got seven seats available, the chances are that one of the main parties is not going to get one of one of the non-main parties is not going to get the top two, three, four, five seats. Mm. You know, um, the. So you have these. You have 
we need a name for it, like floating seats or the seats that are up for the seats that are genuinely up for grabs. Yeah. You know, first on the Labour Party list in London is going to get in. It's, I mean, it, it's almost unthinkable that that wouldn't that, that wouldn't happen. Mm. Uh, so it's pointless. It's pointless focusing on those. You need to focus on you know getting enough votes. Oh God, we, we're going into tactile voting here, which I don't want to. But if, but the point is that you're not going you're not going to affect that. Those you're going to have great difficulty affecting those seats. It's these floating seats, the ones that are actually up for grabs, the final the final seats of the of the cluster. Yeah, you know. So um, to, to use again, we're breaking our own rule here. To use Westminster terminology in a non-Westminster context, <laughs> you've got in each region you've got a set number of seats. A few of them are safe for certain effectively, parties. Yeah, effectively, effectively safe seats the way for, for, mass yeah. Works. Yeah. But yeah. then as you get towards the bottom of those seats, you get they get become increasingly unsafe, which means they're That's up it. for grabs. Yeah. Unsafe unsafe uh, unsafe seats is the way to do it. Uh, is is probably the best terminology actually. Or inconclusive seats or, or you know the ones that aren't nailed on for for a, for a party yeah. already. Um and yeah, I mean I think in most re- in most regions the 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 number one of the the two main parties um, is you know guaranteed to to get in. I think in the southeast where Farage is standing, it is southeast, isn't it? Where the southeast. Well, he was the southeast, as a UKIP. He was so presumably he's going to be Brexit. Yeah, in the southeast where Farage, yeah. Farage is standing, is going to be. Uh, if where I mean, he's standing in the place where he, where he has by far the most support, and it's very unlikely that that's going to be stopped. Apart from anything, nobody who's going to vote for Lord Buckethead is going to vote for Farage. Yeah. Was, was going to was going to vote for Farrell? Well, maybe, but I mean, you know, not not very many. Not really. And also, not, if, yeah, if you're if you're somebody who's going out to punish Farage, and you <clears throat> you know, do, do we want you voting for Lord Buckethead, or do we want you voting for an anti-Farage candidate yeah. who you know is making that message from Cucktig or from God Cucktig? Well, we'll come to that. Yeah, um, well, yeah, but no, so. Um, Somebody pointed out that he'd be much better off not standing and simply following Farage around and photobombing him. Mm. Catherine, be said, Catherine Bearder said that. Oh, was that Catherine? It was Catherine. Oh, She's I'm, absolutely right, yeah. I'm happy to contribute to crowdfunding for somebody <laughs> to, mm. go off, to go off and do stuff like that. There's no, absolutely nothing wrong with people doing that. I think that's a great idea. Um, but trying to, trying to influence the electoral masses uh, as, a, as a single candidate um, like this is, is really pissing in the... Pissing in the wind, and you know, yeah. massive kudos to Steve Bray for uh, seeing that. And um, yeah, because I mean, I, I think there's, you know, I think Steve Steve Bray's got a very high profile. I think there's some chance that he could have that he might have just got enough votes to pick up the final seat in London. I mean, there's, a, there's it, I think it's a relatively small chance, but there's some cha- there's some chance of it. Mm. But he would undoubtedly have been taking that seat away from uh, another Remain party. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, my my view, my view on of as you'll know if you listen to the last episode, uh, the um, our views on this are evolving because yeah. we don't have key bits of data that allows us to talk about this. I mean, I think Chris has a which I think we'll come to. Chris has a different philosophical position on. Uh, on the European on the European elections and how they should should be handled, which we'll talk about, which I have some sympathy with as well. Um, but as, even aside from that, if you're going to talk about tackle voting, we don't have reliable 
regional polling, which is extremely important uh, for this. Um, we don't have uh, the manifestos of some of the parties, and mo- I think most importantly, the Labour man- Labour manifesto. Yeah. Because what the Labour manifesto says potentially changes every single calculation yeah. uh, in this. I mean, if Labour, if the Labour manifesto says uh, unequivocally that any deal has to be put to a people's vote, uh, then Labour has become a pro-people's vote party or, and certainly isn't a leave, leave party at that point. Um, so that changes calculations altogether. <clears throat> but what strikes me is that instead of having, instead of waiting and trying now to maxim- just tra- just focusing on maximising voter registration and maximising remain engagement with these elections, basically almost everybody are acting like total arseholes <laughs> about it, if I can be absolutely frank. Yeah, in people are being absolute dicks, so it's really annoying. Hmm. Yeah, and the, the, the parties are at each other's throats. I mean, um, the Lib, Lib Dems are going around saying, "Well, we offered cooperation, and, and nobody would take it." So I'm not. So you should vote for us. Um, you can't vote for parties that refuse cooperation. Um, which, I mean, if people basically making a partisan point out of the fact that people <laughs> act in a non-partisan way, uh, yeah. which I think is crazy. But most of all, you've got. You know, and then you've got take. I mean, almost every tweet I saw about take mentioned another mentioned another party. It mentioned that they got members from hmm. that they got activists and ex MPs and so on from from Labour and from Lib Dems and and this is the the big thing they were making about. This is not making a positive case. Hmm. I mean, I think okay, there can't be an electoral pact now. That seems to be that's out of the question. Technically, I mean, they couldn't have technically they couldn't have run on a single list anyway. I don't think. <clears throat> Um, I mean, I think uh, Chugga Amuna did this article, which in some ways was very, very self-serving and ex post justification. But on these points, actually, the technical points, actually, I think he was quite right about it, that you, you, you simply couldn't have put together joint lists under the rules. And the rules in terms of party funding and cooperation between campaigns, which we've seen <laughs> in the referendum, uh, would be very hard to follow under those circumstances as well. So it would have to be tacit agreements. And not direct cooperation. <coughs> mm. <clears throat> um, so they, they, so everybody's biting chunks out of each other, and essentially, people who are have been fighting on the same side and have put aside party differences for the last two or three years to fight on the same side are now tearing strips off each other and calling each other calling each other names. Yeah. We're going to need to cooperate after all of this. Um, I've actually, I mean, I, yeah, I wrote something that I think is coming out. Um, well, yeah, about the same time as this. Exactly. So, um, tell us about that. Well, I've got... okay. Sorry, it sounds like this is a very, uh, very long lead into <clears throat> to talk about that now. Uh, during the Cold War, there was this concept of a useful idiot, um, and a useful idiot is it was actually watching Homeland that. Uh, watching last series of Homeland that drew my attention to this. Um, A useful idiot is somebody who does the work of somebody uh, with malign intentions, despite them themselves having benign benign intentions. Mm. And normally, unwittingly, they unwittingly do the work of of the the malign actor in this to get them to to get what they want. And, I mean, the funny thing about this, this is you don't have to be... A bad or stupid to be uh, uh, to be a useful idiot. In fact, 
those with the greatest fervor are often for what they want to do are often the the the, yeah. the best the best uh, the best youthful, youthful idiots. I've re- anyway, I read an article that I started with Russia that everybody in government knows that this is the Brexit is a massive boon for Russian foreign policy. Um, Russian foreign policy for seventy years, with a few little gaps in it, has been to create division. Uh, and uh, and chaos and disharmony in the Western Alliance, and taking um, one of the key members of the Western Alliance and removing it from a subset of that alliance, which is the EU, removing it from it and putting it uh, putting it in the situation of having uh, difficult and antagonistic negotiations with one another, at mm. the same time as weakening itself and polarising its own politics and creating more division in its own society. Essentially a massive wet dream for uh, for the Kremlin and for Russian foreign policy actors. Um, and everyone knows this. The right-wing press know this. They've been covering, uh, they've been covering Russian foreign policy uh, for, for as long as it's existed. Um, the the government know this. They see the briefings on this. They can't possibly be naive about this. Um, I mean, the leading figure in the ERG is Boris Johnson, who's an ex foreign minister. I mean, the first briefing you get when you go when you become foreign minister is on is on Russia, right? Um, and yeah, they're being used as useful idiots. But the thing about useful idiots is that <coughs> they always say. Oh yeah, I mean maybe that's true, but this is more important. But yeah, exactly. what I'm doing, but yeah. what I'm doing is more important. Delivering the will of the people is more important. Yeah. Um, yeah. Delivering on delivering on the outcome, respecting the outcome of the referendum is more is more important than this. Yeah. And there's always just justification based on some individual fervor, um, an individual deeper belief about this. Because also, people, useful idiots can never believe that they that they're useful idiots. They believe other people are useful idiots, yeah. but that they they are pure. We have the same with the press. We have the same with the BBC giving uh, platforms to uh, platforms to to people effectively preaching hate, um, and taking the, you know taking the line that uh, the Brexit ha- has to happen and parroting the parroting the government. We have the, we have we have them doing the same thing. Yeah. The BBC the BBC has a very very long tradition of having some fantastic Russia correspondence and fantastic Russia service and understanding uh, understanding Russia very 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 well. Everyone, yeah, everyone knows this, and, and yet they're doing it anyway because they think that their concern is more important. Yeah, that's it, yeah. And I have to say that I think what we're seeing now, well, I think Remain have, a lot of Remainers have also been useful idiots in several different ways um, already. I think, uh, yeah, I think, I have to say, I think Blair, uh, <laughs> Blair coming out, uh, uh, Blaming blaming immigrants for not integrating is is also him being used and continuing on this ridiculous thing of how uh, the EU should be reformed in 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 the UK's image is also adding to this. I think he, he's being a useful idiot in this respect as well, um, because it's creating it creates more division. It feeds the anti-immigration yeah. narrative, which is the most divisive narrative that, that we have. But I think and I, but I think what was we're seeing with Remainers tearing strips off each other. In a partisan uh, over over party allegiances, and this party did that, and this party didn't do that. We're seeing them in danger of of, of being useful idiots as well. You do because you're doing the work. You're doing the work of leave for. They're doing the work of leave for us. Mm. Whatever the electoral pacts or whatever tactical voting turns out to be the best thing when we've talked about it, 
tearing strips off people who are on your side is not the it, it, it is not the way to to have a co- to maintain a coherent remain movement. You know. But I mean, I, I <clears throat> no, I, I I got a sneak preview of your article, Steve, and I, I think it's a really good one. I mean, I I agree with it uh, really in its entirety, with the one small exception of the way you spell chock full um because oh yeah um, sorry about that yeah when you ch- chock full isn't full of chocolate it's full of chocolate. i know a bit of easter i think it was on my mind <laughs> you know, chocolate was on my mind so um i i I've, I've been trying to put my finger on why all of this is just so dis- disheartening and it just it just makes me feel so uh, tired of everything and fed up. And I mean, I, I mean, this has come across in the conversation that we had last week and it's come across in a lot of the Twitter conversations that I've had with people, but it's generally this just feeling of it. We ought to be excited about the fact that we get to take part in these European elections. Yeah, we fought for them. We, we fought, fought for, them. for them and we got them and this is a wonderful thing. And yet everything that I see just makes me think, Oh my God, why are we even bothering? Maybe we should just leave and yeah, suffer, yeah. you know, because everything that I read from both sides just sounds as if nothing's been learned and as if we were still yeah. so exceptionalist, we're just treating it as a proxy Westminster vote, we're treating it as a, a referendum. It's not a referendum. I know no, that the result is going to matter in the whole remain dis- versus leave debate. I know, obviously it is. But it's not a bloody referendum, and it's, it can't be. You know, uh, Phil Serpis wrote a really good um, thread on this today. Uh, we, we, but I mean, it, it, unless you have a, a clear binary option, you know, presented to people, it isn't going to be a referendum on leave or remain. And you, you can't, however much you would like to, you can't harness all of the various factions and parties and candidates who profess to be Remainers into a single category. You can't, nor can you do it on the other side, by the way, either. I mean, they're just as split, if not more split, than the Remain side. And actually, you you shouldn't either. No, you you shouldn't. You shouldn't buy into the narrative that it is. Because, apart from a purely strategic point of view, um, if Labour doesn't unequivocally make itself a Remain party, um, non-Remain parties are not going to get the majority of seats in this. Polling's, polling shows that there's no, there's no way that they're going to. And, and, we're not going to get, and they're not going to get more than 50% either. Indeed. And, and also, exactly, and also, um, we don't, so don't need to give people... We don't need to give people any more arguments not to hold a referendum. Quite. Yeah, we yes, don't need absolutely. to. We don't need to give people the gift of saying, "Well, you had a, you know, you had your European election. That was effectively a referendum." So what, you know, and and we won. We leavers won it because look at all these parties who had leave in their manifesto and who, you know, we know we we remember this from twenty seventeen. So look, you know, um, this is why I've been making the argument that people should approach this as good EU citizens and vote on the issues and vote on the assumption that whoever gets elected is going to be there for the duration of that parliament and is going to shape European legislation and policy going through that parliamentary, um, that, that, that whole parliamentary period. Now, okay, we know <laughs> that there, that we know that there is more to this election 
than usual in the UK. We know that in the yeah, UK, I mean, this is a special case. Case, this this is is a special case. But, you know, nevertheless, for all the reasons that we've just described, A, we still don't know where the key parties are actually going to come out on this. B, yeah, yeah. even once we do know, we know that we're not going to have... Um, a, this isn't going to be a referendum. It is an, it is an election. We don't want it to be the referendum. We want an actual referendum. Thank you very much on the issues. Yeah. Okay. And C, because, um, the way in which this election works, um, we know that we're going to get, I mean, don't treat it as a sort of defeat Farage, keep Farage out of, Bru- uh, keep Farage out of Strasbourg election because you're not going to that's not how it works they'll get no because it's proportional they'll get some yeah and that's democracy too okay so use it on the issues use it you know don't don't waste your time you know do you really think that your um, tactical vote is going to take votes away from farage and ukip and the brexit party are voters who were going to vote for him going to switch to a remain candidate well then fine carry on doing what you're doing but if 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 it's just messing about with the finite number of people who are going to be voting on the Remain side, then, you know, just vote on your, vote on your um, principles, vote on your instincts. Well, I think there's a few, there's a few things. I mean, I don't, I, <clears throat> I don't wholeheartedly agree with you on that. I don't dismiss it by any means. As we, I mean, we talked about this a bit last time as well. Um, so I, I don't dismiss <coughs> this, this, uh, this point of view by, by any means, Chris, but um, why I think, we need to do is think about how we use the time before the positions and the polling become clear usefully and it is not tearing strips out of out of, it's not tearing strips out of each other because we're in the wrong fucking parties or because of something our parties did or didn't do and well, it's it, not campa- and it's not and it's not campaigning negatively about other remain, other and, and, remain and, parties. And, and it's not beating ourselves up over, oh, we might as well have, we might as well give up. I mean, it's all lost. Farage is going to win because he's a populist and everybody loves populists and they're all going to vote for him. We're useless. We haven't even got a single candidate. We haven't even got a single message. We haven't even got a single slogan. We can't do populism as well as the populists. Oh, we're useless. We deserve to lose. Just fucking get over yourselves and stop. You know, what is we'll this for, bollocks? Just get we'll on we'll campaign. We'll all for leave has three parties. Yes. Leave has three parties, Remain has one party, and we're waiting to find out what the, yeah. what the other party thinks. Right. But this, is what, but this is my point, is that we can use this to have, a, <coughs> to have a discussion about what the point is here. Is the point to minimise the number of seats for Farage? Okay, that has one set of tactical for, 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 for Leave parties, but particularly for UKIP and Farage. That has one set of tactical considerations to consider if, if you want to do that. So we need to have a discussion about that, whether that's what people that's what people should do. That's what we of Remain should recommend people do. I don't mean we of the podcast. I mean Remain more more generally. More generally. Um, is it just about maximising votes? Well, you should certainly max. I mean, whatever you're doing, you should maximise the number of votes for Remain parties and the percentage of votes. Whether mm. you get whether you get seats or not, you should maximise that. And that is about turnout. That's about enga- Remain engagement. It's about getting Remainers out. To vote, whoever they vote for, it's nothing to do with it's nothing to do with tactical voting. Remain vote for Remain party. Um, so that's that could be that can be one objective if that's one of the objectives. Is the objective, as you said, I mean you've said a few times, is the objective to get uh, a non right wing, uh, a non right wing uh, head of the commission? Hmm. In which case, as you said, you should vote for you should vote for. 
Labour, which was S and D, um, because they're the they're the ones with the biggest chance of of uh, of, of getting that uh, through the Spitzenkandidat process. I would say as a caveat to that, I'm not convinced that UK MEPs will be considered to count in the Spitzenkandidat process while the end date is the day before the new commission takes takes place. I mean, in council, it's utterly uncontroversial from the beginning that the UK wouldn't participate in discussions of voting on things that only uh, that only apply after the UK leaves. And the commission presidency will only apply after, on current, uh, current, on the current plan, when the, it'll only apply after, in fact, the day after the, uh, the, the UK left. So I'm not convinced by that. That's another question that maybe we can get some intel and well, come yeah. back to. No, well, okay, so while we're in that parenthesis, I mean, I, we're both purely speculating here because neither of mm. us have any particular yeah, inside yeah, information yeah, on no, this. But, no. but, but my, my view is slightly different to yours in, insofar as I think that um, it, 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 it's one thing to argue that EU, that, that council, EU 27 council configurations um, have certain validity. It's another thing. There is no such thing as an EU 27 parliament configuration. No, that's also true. Uh, yes, no, that's absolutely and, true. And, you know, if, if you have elected members, then, you know, <laughs> democracy dictates that those elected members, whether they're from the UK or from any other member state, have equal worth. And, and, and so I, I think it's, I but think the, it's but philosophically, well, hang on, I think it's philosophically, informal process. It's I think it's philosophically policy. really difficult to argue that Brit, that, that, that the, British voters don't get a say on the Spitzenkandidat process if they're voting mm. for candidates who are part of uh, a, a group that will be choosing their Spitzenkandidat. I think some in I think some in the some in the EP will argue that. Yeah, but I, um, I think philosophically, I think that's a very difficult one to argue. Anyway. I'm, I'm less I'm, I'm less I'm yeah. less convinced. But I take the point. Well, let's as you say we're, we're purely speculating. About but yeah, cl- close parenthesis and. But my point is that you need to think about what the thing you need to think about what you want there. I mean, your I mean your argument that you should vote for the people that will reflect your views about the future of Europe best over the next five years. In normal circumstances, that's obviously who you should vote for. Um, I think the point is that if they leave in uh, in at the end of November, then that consideration was pointless. And I mean, what I'm really con- what I'm really concerned with. I, I mean, I know you disagree about this, but I, I think one of the most powerful arguments that's been made, and it's been made by the government repeatedly, is this eighty or eighty whatever eighty two percent of uh, people voted for uh, pro Brexit, i.e. pro Brexit parties, i.e. parties that said they would honour the referendum result, officially said that in the twenty seventeen general election and. Um, I mean, I think this is. I think this is why the Labour manifesto is so hugely important. Um, if the Labour manifesto comes with more fudge and uh, more triangulation, I say, well, triangulation is a very nice te- sort of te- technical-sounding. Yeah. What's wrong with triangles? Triangulation is a very nice technical, run-of-the-mill kind of-sounding word. What triangulation is? It's con- it's it's taking two sets of voters with opposing views and conning conning them into believing that the party supports both of them simultaneously. Yeah, exactly. And, so, you know, this is not a... Uh, triang- triangulation not as nice geometric well, piece of algebra, no, it, it's not... No, no, it's yeah. not. I mean, it's it, is, it, is, it is conning, conning voters. Um, and again, we come back to the useful idiot thing, you know? I mean, I have 
incredible, as we talked about before, I have a huge respect for uh, for MEPs that, that said, no, I'm not going to leave, I'm going to stay and fight. I'm going to fight to move Labour policy. Um, I mean, I, I've worked with worked with some of them and very impressive they are too. From, from, and I have to say from all wings of the Labour Party as well, not just from... Uh, yeah. You know, not just from uh, the center, the more centrist wing. I mean, certainly from the from the the, the very left of the party as well. Yeah. Um, so, I have absolute <coughs> respect for people people who are doing that. Um, but then people who are people, the the high, there are a few high, a couple of high profile remainers who've who are, who said they're going to sta- who have who are going to stand as candidates. They're already on the lists for the Labour Party. And if they end up campaigning on a on a manifesto which doesn't promise a a, a, a referendum and doesn't at least I mean as a bare minimum defend freedom of movement for God's sake, if they have to go and campaign on that, you know, no matter what their personal views, they're going to have to campaign on that on that on that on those party policies on that party manifesto. And again, I mean, I think we come back to the useful idiots, and again, people who have support people who. Have, this has to, there has to be a crunch time for Labour, and this is a crunch time because they have to produce a manifest. They have to produce a manifesto. They have to write down what their policy is, or they have to decide not to. And if they don't, you know, um, at this stage, I think you have to assu- you have to assume that you're being you're being taken for a ride here, because right? mm. we have been before. We have been before on this. So these are the so so. This is what this time can be usefully employed to do. If we can have discussions about this stuff, about what this means, and <clears throat> I mean, I have to say as well, people should be ready for Labour to commit to a referendum. I mean, this is what we hope that they do. This is the best chance by far. I mean, it's essentially necessary for, for there to be one. Really, um, people should be hoping this, and people in other people in other remain parties at that stage are going to need to be are going to need to be ready to to who've been crying out for technical for tactical voting and a uh, and an alliance are going to have to stop slagging off labor and start telling people to support labor under certain, certain in certain regions and so on as well mm. which i'm not convinced people are ready to do no. uh, i mean look so last week when we talked about it i was quite um I, I was quite well. I, I was arguing quite strongly that <clears throat> you should just forget about tactics and just vote for what you believe in. And um, I think I think some of the points that you made and others have made, I found quite persuasive. And I think that um, I think that we're not yet at the point where we can make decisions on how to vote tactically, but that in due course, when we have all the facts at hand. In certain regions, I can see that there are uh, there can be arguments for voting for perhaps not the party that you would necessarily instinctively have gone for as your first choice for tactical reasons, so that we can maximise um, the, the 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 result in terms of seats as well as in terms of aggregate votes. I get that, and I think I support that. Now, for me personally, uh, I vote in the southeast. Uh, last time round, we had a, a, a green MEP. We have a good chance of getting a green MEP. Green aligns with my personal politics. I mean, that's probably how I'm going to vote. But I can see I can, I, you're giggling. Why are you giggling? <laughs> no, no, I'm giggling. I'm giggling because um, yeah, it, it, do, doing that happens to meet with what you would have. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm lucky, anyway. so I don't. You know, yeah. so I, I. Well, this is where I was going with this, which is that. <laughs> 
if, if you're like me, lucky you for once, you know, that's great. But many people are not going to have that uh, luxury. And so if you are, for example, if, if I, if I were looking at potentially voting Labour, I mean, I, it is, a, it's, a, it's a dilemma because I think, you know, I want to see green candidates do well in the European Parliament. I want to see a large green uh, group mm. in the European Parliament. I'm also quite keen to see a large S&D group, and I'm quite keen to see the S&D candidate for Spitzenkandidat, uh, for, for, for Commission President, become Commission President. So I'm... I'm this, is, this is why we should use STV. Yeah, of <laughs> course it things. is. Of yeah. course it is. So I'd quite like to see, you know, Timmermans be the President of the Commission going forward. I'd quite like to see a centre-left Commission for a change. Um, it's been a while since we had one. So, you know, that would be, that would be great. Um, what do I do if I'm a voter in the UK who is faced with the choice of, well, I want to treat this as a European election. I want to see an S&D group um, be the largest one in the parliament. I want to see an S&D candidate become commission president, but I don't want to vote for a party which, uh, where my vote will be interpreted as a vote for Brexit because it's exactly. a party that's headed yeah. by Jeremy Corbyn and it's effectively a pro-Brexit party under him. I mean, yeah, that's a genuine it, dilemma, it, and I don't know the answer to is, that. I mean, it, it is, is a genuine dilemma. dilemma. It is a dilemma, and there's more than that as well, because there's the candidates themselves who we know. I mean, yeah, I mean, all of the sitting uh, Labour M MEPs are the, in the, uh, the top slots on the Labour list, and uh, they're almost all excellent. It's the, the Seb Dance paradox, I think yeah. somebody called it. Um yeah, and they're excellent, and they they be a credit to the country and to the and to the EP if they uh, if they worked in you know if they were MEPs for the next five years. Um, so this is extremely difficult. On the other on the other hand, you've also got the dilemma that there'll be some uh, Lexity people on those yeah. lists as well. Well, there certainly are a couple yeah. of Lexity people on those lists as well. So um, when we're well, talking about the extra, when we're talking about the extra, what what term did we use for these extra seats for the, well, the safe the and they were safer the ones and unsafe ones. Yeah, so when we're talking about the unsafe seats, we'd be talking about, you know, getting a third or a fourth yeah. uh, Labour Labour MEP in a in in a region, then um, yeah, you don't. Want, I mean, you don't want that to be elected one. So well, it's endless. Well, no, actually, I mean do you know that, what? I, that, I disagree with that because what's a Lexity MEP going to do to change the formulation here? They're still going to be voting for my S and D candidate to be the, the commission president, but their their lexity credentials mean absolutely nothing in the context of what will be looked at. Is we're not because they're not voting the in a they're not they're not going to rebel in the House of Commons and join Kate Hoey. You know, that, well in that in that case, then the the I love Seb. In that case, <laughs> I really love Seb. I think it's absolutely wonderful. Um, but in that case, the Seb Dance paradox is clear. It doesn't matter if you've got Romani or Lexity list MEPs. What matters, what matters is the, the, the party and the party policy. But, but what, what, what's happening here is, yet again, we're seeing... This is my problem. We are, we are framing this in absolutist, first-past-the-post, Westminster, single-issue terms. And that's where the problem arises. The fact that we have a dilemma is simply because... Everybody else is treating this election as something that it isn't. So you can either take the principal position and say, no, you know what, I'm going to vote with my conscience and I'm going to vote with this as a European election and that's, where, that's what I'm going to do, full stop. Or you say, well, you know what, if all these other people, if all these other bastards are, are, are abusing 
my European election and abusing European democracy to turn it into a single issue referendum proxy, then, well, fuck it. I guess I'm going to have to do the same thing. So, I mean, that's the, something for yeah. each individual to make up their own minds about. But at, the, but at the same time, the reality is it will be used by that. It will be used like that. Because everybody's doing it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But um, it, it's the, uh, oh, what do they call it in philosophy? It's the, the threshold problem, isn't it? Um, you not walking on the grass. Everybody walks on the grass. You don't walk on the grass because you shouldn't walk on the grass, but everybody walks on the grass and there's a path worn. Um, the path's still going to be there if you don't walk, if you don't walk on the grass. It's it's a sort of moral pissing in the wind. That's the that's the problem that we that's the problem that we have. So yeah, there you go. One of the, but one of the things that we can do is to not treat is to not talk about it in those terms, and remain parties can do that as well. Well, if we're um, not talking remember. about it in those terms, then my God, you know. But yeah, well. Yeah, I, I mean we, collectively. We, I mean collectively, you know. Yeah, I know. Um, if done, not feed, not feed, as Phil Sertz has said, you know, not to not feed into the narrative that it is that. Mm. We can we can at least do that. The reality is, though, I mean, yeah, uh, there will be some there will be some numbers, and it's not polling, and it, nobody can say, oh, it's YouGov, they always underestimate this, or it's Comrades, they always overestimate this, or the sample size isn't big enough for any of this. It's an actual it's an actual it's an actual election. It's the very best kind of opinion political opinion poll. So. Uh, so the results will will be used and will make a difference to the to the to the case afterwards. Um, but we should. But it, this means we need to have. You can't say it's just seats or it's just pretend, or, or it's just percentage or it's just. We need to have a conversation about this and uh, and talk about it because I mean what's certainly come out of this is that the UK most people in the UK are not used to being involved in any meaningful way in European Parliament elections. Mm-hmm. Which I think might be the root of a problem. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, did you see that? I mean, actually, this this is a segue into lie of the week. Because I didn't mention. I haven't listed it in our notes, but um, I saw. Have we got a surprise lie of the week. Actually? Yeah, I saw a classic today, which was from somebody saying um, that it is no longer true that we don't like experts because now everybody's an expert on break on, on the EU or something. Who was it? Oh yes, yes. Did you see that? I saw you. Yeah. yeah. I saw you, you, Anand Menon's yeah. tweet on that going, uh, no, everybody, I can, as an, as an actual expert, I can assure you everyone is not a fucking expert. <laughs> but come on, let's segue into lie of the week. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Uh, shall I, shall yeah. I roll the music? Roll. I don't believe you. You're a liar. So, lie of the week. What have we got this week? Well, we already talked about the main one, which was the... Uh, <laughs> signs are emerging that the key the EU players, France and Germany, will now oh, yeah. back alternative arrangements to replace the backstop. Yeah, no, they yeah. won't. No, they won't. Okay, That's bollocks. That's bollocks. Um, Malthouse, we'll just say Malthouse. The yeah. fact that we're still talking about this, it's just <sighs> can you fucking believe we're still talking about this? You morons, right? Okay. Um, but you've got oh, you've got a good one here though. Um, yeah, is it a lie? I mean, it's, it, I suppose it's Liz a lie. Truss. Yeah, it's Liz Truss it's and a lie. Uh, it's the way in which everybody um, came down like a ton of bricks on. Um, legendary um, uh, national treasure Mary Beard 
um, when she said, look, you know, we need to work out how we in the UK are going to be just an ordinary country, which of course yeah. is like, I mean, how can that even be controversial? How can yeah. that be controversial? Of course, we ha- that, 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 that's precisely the problem with Brexit. You know, that's why we've got Brexit is because people can't yeah. simply deal with the fact that we are an, another ordinary country. What's wrong with that? So I, I came, somebody else came in today and said um, how, um, how small-minded it was. What was the precise words here? Let me just pull it up um, uh, because I got about a million um, retweets for it. Where is it? Um, uh, because everybody agrees. Pitiful, that was it. Sorry. So um, somebody called James Rogers called Mary Beard's comment sad. It's pitiful stuff. Who on earth wants to be ordinary? Pitiful stuff. And I mean, we just read, can we just read Mary Beard's tweet? Yes, sorry. Yeah, Let's I, do that. We are, so. She said, we are not the leader of the world any longer, was the quote, which is undoubtedly true and has been true for quite a long time. Classicist Mary Beard says Britain isn't terribly efficient. That's entirely borne out by productivity uh, statistics for the UK, by the way. We have a, productiv- a massive productivity issue in the UK. Ask any economist except Patrick Minford. Um, and we ought to, quote, work out how we're going to be an ordinary country. Yeah. So this I mean, is the... This, cont- is, this, is not, this is not saying, fuck Britain. This is not Mary no. coming on and saying, fuck you, Britain, you're assholes. This is not what this is. It is a perfectly reasonable, rational contribution here. Yeah, the context is Mary Beard is being interviewed following some time that she's been spending in Italy. She's just commenting on the conversations that she's had in Italy with other Europeans who have been asking her, you know, what's going on in the UK? And it's how British people um, who... um, how, how Remainers, how we deal with this in our interaction. I mean, we, you know, this is what we get all the time. So anyway, so this is what Mary Beard is saying. Um, and um, the way I put it um, is that... Well, what, how, where did I put it? <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Seamless, Chris. Oh, seamless. This is, this, is, this, is, this is why we deserve the podcast award, the People's Award. <laughs> so the way I put it is, look... What, what's happened is you get all these butthurt snowflake um, so-called patriots, <coughs> who plastic patriots, <coughs> plastic patriots, who think that by describing ourselves as ordinary, in some way, what we're saying is that we're mediocre, or it's some, it's some, somehow we're, we're self-hating, and that it, this is we've said this many times. This completely misunderstands yeah, what yeah. it is that we're about. What we're saying is that actually, do you know what? We don't need to be somehow exceptional in order to love our country and to like where we're from and to be cool with ourselves and to be yeah. relaxed about being British. We doesn't, we don't have to don't be have a to fucking be, empire. Our, hmm? we, yeah, we don't have to claim our mountains are bigger than the Alps. We don't have to right. rule places. We don't. Exactly. <laughs> it doesn't have to be like that, you know? Like that. Why can't no. we just be happy with who we are and be cool about it and be just sort of cool little Brits and who, who just get on with our lives? Why do we and have enjoy, to... And, and enjoy our rather beautiful country. Yeah. And, and and, yeah, it's this exceptionalism that is so insecure and yeah. effectively it's it's it doing us down it belittles us to say yeah. that we can't be anything unless we're better than everyone because it's scared it's scared little kids isn't it scared little kids who can you know who 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 are worried constantly worried about their place in the in the in in the pecking order yeah 
is scared little, scared little children. One of the interesting things comes out of this, and it's something that I've heard a, a lot from supporters of Scottish independence, of which I am one. I, I mean, I try to be non-partisan on... Uh, it's not non-partisan as possible. Lol. I am an I am an SNP member, <laughs> um, but yeah, you got absolute uh, Scots in their droves saying, "All we want is to be an ordinary country. We just want to be a normal country in the EU or the EA. Some people, some some prefer um, cooperating internationally with our own government, um, just like normal countries. That's all we want to be. We want to be a normal country of five million people." You know, yeah. and you see the diff- what, what, the reason I mention it is you see the difference between uh, unpleasant, harmful, the kind of unpleasant, harmful nationalism that surrounds Brexit, um, and the civic, nas- civic nationalism of, of Scotland. Yeah. Scotland doesn't want to be a world leader. It wants to. Ha- it wants to be a member of the EU and have a, and have a say in its own right. Yeah. But it doesn't want to. It doesn't want to run the EU. It doesn't want to dominate anybody. Exactly. Um, and when you, when you and see a close-up how much easier it is for people to be from a country that is relaxed about itself, when you look at oh. how the Dutch and the, and the Belgians and the Danes yeah, and so on sort of just, yeah. just a lot more relaxed about their lives and about themselves and their place in the world. And it's not this yeah. constant sort of self-doubting, oh, shit, now the French have got a bigger aircraft carrier than us. What are we going to do? This is awful, you know. <laughs> it's not all about the size of your aircraft carrier. Yeah. You know, maybe it's about Belgium your quality of life. For Den- yeah. And they don't hate Belgium don't or Netherlands to. for Denmark. Right. Yeah, you don't, yeah, you don't have to, do, exactly. Do my schools churn out, do our schools churn out well-educated, reasonably balanced people uh, who are good citizens? Yeah. Do we, do we have parks where the kids can go and play with, you know, generally without yeah. falling off and cracking, smacking their heads on concrete? You know, do we... <laughs> Do we have yeah. roads that uh, more or less function and uh, don't have uh, don't have lots of potholes? Do we have uh, functioning social care and and and, and, and healthcare system? <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, well, absolutely. then yeah, then it's, this is a pretty good country. You know, do we have fucking aircraft carriers with the very latest technology that actually can't have any planes on them and submarines that keep crashing? I mean, <laughs> I, why does it have to be about this? So anyway. yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, Absolutely. rant, rant. Well, look, I mean, it's not even a lie, is it? But um, no. it, it made me want to um, talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that about wraps it up for this week. Don't be for what for what do we take from this? <laughs> stop and stop and stop and think about what you actually want um, with regard to the EP elections. Stop being assholes to each other because you're in different parties but on the same side. It's not helping. It doesn't help anything at all don't be useful idiots don't do don't do the work of opponents for them don't be useful idiots i mean there's there's the title of the podcast yeah okay yeah mm. um and it's easy to be i'm not I'm, you know i'm not saying I'm, maybe by maybe by calling people useful idiots i'm being a useful idiot here um but then of course useful idiots always say well i had to do something didn't i i had to say something mm. <laughs> i had to do something but yeah, I mean, just uh, everybody calm down. Everybody think about what they want. Mm. Um, and f- for God's sake, can the parties campaign positively? Campaign for your vision mm. of Europe. Campaign, you know, campaign positively on Europe. Campaign for your other policies. Campaign for your party. I'm not saying parties shouldn't campaign for their party. I'm saying mm. do it positively. Um, and if you're going to pick on anyone, pick on Farage and pick on the Tories. Mm. You know, but don't go... The sight of Greens and Lib Dems screaming at each other mm. on social media 
uh, over European elections is, mm. uh, is, 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 is absurd uh, and harmful. So, Well, thank you very, very much for listening. I'm sorry that when we're not giving you what you probably want, which is a guide to how to vote in the EP elections. Well, um, we kind of are. Well, I think well, hopefully what we're doing is... is Guidelines. Is getting people to... Is, no, no, it's not even that. It's, it's highlighting the issues that people should go away and think about and discuss and that Remainers should discuss with, with, with one another, hmm. um, particularly at this point where we don't, have the, we don't have crucial information. And hopefully people... I mean, not as a result of the podcast, but hopefully things calm down a bit and people actually do this and people in people and people in parties and the parties themselves remember that we were allies a couple of weeks ago mm. we were all allies a couple of weeks ago and we're going to have to be allies again uh, in a few weeks time as well yeah yeah all right steve i wish you good night you too thanks very much for listening everybody who's made it this far and uh best of luck and stay positive see you next week See you next week. All right. Good night. Natural loss, they can't